Hi guys, welcome to Even More Eyes. On the screen. Okay. On the screen. <laughs> no one gives a shit if it's on the screen because it's literally in your um, ear holes. But um, welcome, guys, to Even More Eyes. We decided to be a hive mind this week because we would be discussing, you know, Bond and whatever he's gotten up to since the last few movies. So we are looking at Spectre and uh, Skyfall. I said that in the wrong order. The way, yeah, yeah. We'll, do it. we'll do it again. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Am I that stressed? Fine. Okay, we are looking at Skyfall and Spectre, two of the three Daniel Craig films that have been released since. We didn't do all three because we have lives. So in the usual order of events, we are going to start with our resident Bond expert, which is Josh. Begin with a retrospective, and then we discuss how we feel about it now. Okay, so Skyfall 2012. uh, It had been a long four-year wait uh, from Quantum of Solace for this. Uh, which seems like nothing now, but but yes. So I I I was just relieved there was a new Bond film, and it was a lot of fun. It's the fiftieth anniversary, lots of nods to the franchise. Um, yeah, really loved it at the time. Yeah, I remember not liking this one back in um, two thousand and twelve. Uh, I like just much thought, back in two thousand. Probably not. No, <laughs> I mean it. It was kind of probably hit at a time when we were also going through all the triumphalism and madness about the London Olympics as well. And this just mm. felt like the you know icing on the cake of that, really. I remember saying, funny enough, I remember saying to you, I think that the only thing I could say about it at the time was that this is a film, obviously, as most of them are, that Bond fans will really like. I mean, I could see that much in the film, that it was mm. a, a huge tribute to the, to the franchise, it just didn't really work for me as, I guess, a sort of non-fan. And I there were certain aspects about it that I was a bit dubious. Um, and I didn't really understand because Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace had set this certain direction for the series. It was a sort of reboot and, a, a, as we talked about last time, a deconstruction of the Bond character to suddenly try and put all these pieces back together to reignite the old form of Bond just seemed to me to be a bit redundant and kind of moving yeah. very, very differently. I've had some different thoughts about it since. Uh, I've seen it a few times over the years um, and actually I've sort of softened a little bit to it. There are a few things I'd, I, we'll, we'll probably talk about later, but yeah, at the time, this was this was not my film. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's down to us. I will allow Fav go first because we all know that I'm just rude. Uh, so I guess in terms of being a fan, I'm the casual fan. Anything before Prius Brosnan is kind of all mingled together for me. So I suppose I had low expectations coming into it. Like my brother didn't like the Rule Britannia feel to it. And, you know, Quantum of Solace, they didn't really escape the writer's strike without a bloody nose. So I was like, okay, well, Skyfall isn't going to be great. But I really liked the vulnerability of Bond in this one and shedding a bit more light in his background than we'd ever really overtly seen before. And I also liked how big M was it in the film because she'd always played like a little part back at home and, you know, she gets Usually the information, drinking. she tells people off. <laughs> to ha- for her to have such an active role, I really liked it. Judy Dench, you know... I think had a good, pretty good part in this one. Yeah, I would say I didn't watch Skyfall when it came out. I watched it like a few years later, maybe like 2015-ish. 
And um, when I watched it, I think my first relief was that, okay, one, finally, we are going into the realm of consequences because Skyfall really was about consequences, you know. You know, people go into life or death situations and they just, like, they brush it off and then just show up again, like, on Monday morning to do this all over again. Uh, Skyfall was the first time when it was like, okay, the people who are making these decisions and sending people off to their deaths are actually expected to pay the price for some of the things that they've done. So in that regard, I kind of saw Skyfall as, okay, finally, someone is holding someone accountable. I think at the time, I just kind of drifted in and out of the film because for me, it was yet another Bond film with explosions and gunshots and like a femme fatale and a damsel in distress and whatever. Just at this time, the damsel in distress happened to be an old lady Honestly, the only thing that was different about how I saw it the first time was just at least someone is finally looking at the people on top because so far we've spent so much time just focused on Bond's shenanigans without really talking about the people who are asking him to do all these things. So that was my take on it. And I think it's pretty much unchanged even now. There are just a few extra details that you know I may have noticed. Yeah, so on that note, moving on to where we are at the moment, do we just do the roulette again? Because we are just going to... Yeah, yeah so, um, yeah, having having loved it when it came out, over the intervening years, this really left a sour taste in my mouth. I didn't like its um, jingoism. That obviously felt more and more off as each year passed. And it bothered me that this film seems to ignore Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. Were it not for the Eve Money Penny character, this would this is almost a continuation from Titan of the Day in a sense. It's it's more like <laughs> the M of Pierce Brosnan's world and the Bond of Pierce Brosnan's world than than anything to do with Casino and Quantum. Um, but watching it for this, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's um, yeah, I've sort of come full circle. It's I like it for what it is. There's pros and cons, and it kind of if I was to rank all the films, it sits sort of in the middle. Um, I think it's probably one of the better looking Bond films. It is really gorgeous to look at, like the colours, that that bit with the silhouette fighting with the jellyfish behind them, all those neon lights, the stuff on the Scottish moor. And some of some of the dialogue's pretty funny. <laughs> um Well, I, I think um similarly in a way, that this struck me as uh, a very good looking film, but there's a little bit of tonal inconsistency between suggesting there's some seriousness here and yet at the same time it's quite rompy it's quite campy in places the the bit that that was really making me laugh and and along with the character was um the Raoul Silver you know Javier Bardem's character and just <laughs> just spends most of the film laughing his head off about about you know going round and he's the only I mean I'd read something somewhere that they said that he was the most Bondian of the Bond villains he's seen I think as definitely one of the most sort of maniacal and and flamboyant and doesn't really take Bond that seriously it's another anti-Bond figure he draws these kind of parallels between himself and Bond the evil mother m figure who by i i mean i think judy dench i i have to really give her credit in this because she comes across as a 
fucking cold stone. You know, she's uh, right from the beginning, you know, leave the man who's bleeding to death in, in the room. And I, I don't really think ever redeems herself in, in the course of this. Maybe at the end where she's like, too many people are dying yeah. around me. And yeah. you're thinking, yeah, well, fuck, fuck, fuck you've realised that before you managed to, to kill everyone else. So, yeah, I, I thought that the Raoul Silver character was just, he, he's, he's wonderful in a way because he just walked, waltzes into most of these scenes and he's, way, he's over the top, he monologues. So there is an element of that. I think similar to Josh as well, the, the jingoism of the film, do you know, funny enough, it, it didn't probably stand out to me as much this time, probably because I'm just aware of it. This is obviously a film that tries to look back and tries to look forward or whatever. It just never really makes that much of a case for tradition. It just says, you know, oh, these bureaucrats or whatever, and, and are they redundant? Are people like M and, and Bond redundant? The way in which you see the film, despite, like you said, Emil, where you've got serious consequences to, to you know, what people are doing in these films. Even so, it, the film has to just then rest upon the idea of, well, with that stalwartness and kind of, you know, bullishness or whatever, uh, it, it, we can still get through it. I think the thing that really stood out to me this time, a lot more, probably a lot more funny than, than I remember. And also, sorry, just picking up on what Fav was saying about an interrogation of Bond. I think the difference between this and Casino Royale is Bond in, in that one, it was it was an interrogation into what makes him work, his psyche. With this one, it felt more about the physical. It was a film that didn't really want to look at him inwardly, but outwardly. By the end of it, I don't know what has really changed about him, except that he's back in there and he's physically fit or whatever. Um, I feel that Bond movie was the most M film a Bond movie's ever made. And I do like her Amanda Waller from Suicide Squad feeling to her. But you are right, that, you know, trial scene, well, where she's in front of a committee, um, it didn't really provide enough of a justification for Bond's excesses, you know? Like, I remember in, um, you know, Batman versus Superman, Superman's supposed to be in front of a committee, and I'm like, he's going to kind of justified this incarnation of Superman in the world as we know it today. And there was an explosion that killed lots of people because Zack Snyder happened. And <laughs> with this, <laughs> with this one, I felt he was, he was really quite weak. And it, it did, she did kind of mention how warfare has changed since the, you know, the iron wall curtain fell down. But again, it didn't really give Bond enough of a, um, an ironclad reason to exist, uh, which I was kind of disappointed by. Um, <laughs> but I do like how that her mistakes did come back to haunt her in the guise of this, you know, agent turned, you know, terrorist. Yeah, I think um, there's actually, sorry, Emo, I think there's actually quite a um, good reason for Bond to exist in that first Q scene. I can't remember the exact line, but he's talking about causing loads of damage in his pajamas from from afar oh yeah and then bond is like the because every so often a trigger needs to be pulled or not pulled so that idea of having that guy in the field who can make a choice rather than this sort of us causing yeah, merry really, havoc across um, the world that was they I kidnapped like q from an anime i swear to god he is the main <laughs> character of a japanese cartoon somewhere 
But yeah, this QE seems to be kind of what I think Emo would prefer Bond Thank to be. You. The, the only thing is uh, to, to sort of pick up on your usual criticism, uh, Emo, of the film, the prospect of doing it in the National Gallery, where you've got to go, <laughs> you've got to go through think, some I, fucking... I, no, I know why I they like did it. That. It's the Turner painting. No, it's not just the Turner painting. It calls back to that sort of... We were just before we came online, we were talking about um, John le Carré and Tinker Taylor, and it has that kind of old world spy thing i quite liked it i don't think i mean the turner painting was a bit much but yeah, yeah no was, I, yeah. I, I don't mind that stuff happening in public it was quite fun um yeah, i think you that... is is a real success of this film yeah. um i wonder if we should talk about money penny because she's the other no, character we, reintroduced we will to. get into that because i have Sorry. notes but okay. yes, <laughs> yes, but, good. but i wanted to talk about like the scaling back of a lot of things because this mm. version of q I think brought that whole idea of like scaling back the excesses of Bond, or at least trying to. I mean, yeah. he just literally sent Bond out with like a gun and a radio and told him to like make that shit work. And so Bond wasn't really given as much like assistance. He wasn't given a bunch of gadgets and high tech watches and a bunch of stuff to just go off and waste in, in the world and come back and be like, you know what? You know, I am like, I'm like, uh, you know, because that's what he does. He goes in, destroys something, comes back and it's like, well, I'm James Bond and I did what I had to do. And in my head, I'm like, did you though? Did you? Because it looked like, <laughs> <laughs> because to me it looks like you took the single most expensive explosive option because I don't know it gets your rocks off yeah. but, but he, he also um, manages to use every gadget though he never yeah, somehow you know, I, know, I know this is Eddie Izzard's joke about how like, he, like, he never brings like back he never anything. brings back anything unused or like undestroyed yeah. and, so, and so Q was just like <laughs> then that. so this Q was like well I'm not giving you stuff to use so take these two things and go to your death mm. you know yeah. so that was fine um, and but I, I like to they had the you know medieval home alone session where they just kind of use some yeah, you know ball exactly. bearings and, <laughs> and that's kind of what i mean but yeah it's true like yeah, i said there no. was there was something very scaled back about this version of bond that was almost kind of rustic like you know was, like a very um, old time like a very old time agent and i well, think was, one of the ways in which it really like manifested itself was like at the very end you know he killed the bad guy with a knife Mm-hmm. Well, literally Sam just Mendes threw a knife was... into his back and that was it and that was what like the old guy was like saying you know sometimes you just have to go oh, like old, old school exactly the old ways and I think that's what exactly <laughs> and I think that's what this version of Bond was really trying to do that whole like scaled back more almost too physical Bond rather than the high tech yeah. savvy Bond which I don't know doesn't really make sense for the for the iteration of Bond that Daniel Craig has been playing. So I think in that sense it made aesthetic sense also looking at aesthetics we knew, like it was a beautiful film there were a lot mm. of eye candy shots including Bond himself being eye candy because there was just that scene of him reclining in the pool that made no sense whatsoever within the context of the film. But just like, yes. But, I but I was just like, yes. contract. He has to be tall. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but in, in my head, I was like, yeah, we need to kind of see Bond ripped and like just be reminded that Daniel Craig has been working on his body for like, you know, a year. Um, outside of that, like speaking of like ripped and Bond and everything, that whole scene where there was supposed to be some sort of illusion that Bond had had, you know affairs with men in the past and i'm like oh yeah yeah um, what do you think what do you think yeah because i was like okay if you're going to be candid about it be candid about it because the way he said it was kind of coy like there is some room Mm. for plausible deniability like he might just be teasing the bad guy just like man have you done men or not like just let me know like people need to like this uh, it actually this made headlines um this week actually because the um the the, the, what this made headlines this week because it turns out the studios really just wanted even that gone like taken exactly. out of the film and the producers exactly. were fighting for it it's, yeah 
So, yeah. you know, so we all know that, like, Bond is supposed to be, like, the straight male fantasy. So, like, I, just throwing yeah. that well, in there. I argued against to that me, the other episode, but yeah. <laughs> because when I was, when I watched that, you know, just like, okay, haha, funny. But I was like, I don't know what you were getting at here. Because we already have, like, the flamboyant bad guy, which just, I don't know, it makes me think of, a, like, a very Disney-esque bad guy. Because the only time a queer person shows up on screen is in the role of the villain. So I was like, okay, we are back to that somewhat conservative trope. You know, and he was also, like, the kind of bad guy who just, like, straight up kills a woman because he can. And yeah. you could tell that they were trying to make him as detestable as possible, which, again... The vilification of queerness. I've spoken about mm. this at length on this podcast. I'm tired. But the thing about mm. it, I was like, I felt tired. And I think what I love the most about this version of the bad guy, and I'm coming to the end of my ramble, I swear, is that <laughs> he was is that he was also just tired. You yeah. could see like this just constant state of exasperation hmm. in every scene. He was just like, why are we doing this? Why are we dragging this out? Like, why all the running? Like, like why all the running? Like, uh, I mean, he was like, ooh, he might as well ooh, have gone like, why ooh, are you running? Oh, why are you running? You know, it's like, he was very tired and bored with everything. And I was just like, man, I feel you. Like, um, I feel you I, on, a, on like a soul crushing level because it's like, can we just wrap this up, please, and go? That's how I felt. But anyway. There's this fan theory doing the rounds. Obviously, we've all rewatched Die Another Day recently, but there's this fan theory that this is Pierce Brosnan's Bond, which obviously doesn't work, but it's a fun <laughs> idea to think about because he was abandoned in Hong Kong by that same, you know, Judy Dench's M, and he's a bit more mm. flamboyant. He's light Bond, but yeah. not. And it's quite, yeah, it's quite a fun lens to watch yeah. it through, which falls apart and, um, quickly, but yeah. Yeah. I did say we were going to discuss Money Penny, so let's like switch on to that because I have notes, but I'm just going to allow someone else to speak. <laughs> yes, yeah, so uh, said so Money Penny, brief history of Money Penny. So when Sean Connery uh, and Lois Maxwell worked out that relationship, they decided that Bond and Money Penny had had a fling in the past and had to put it behind them so they could work together. Then Roger Moore came along and they reworked the relationship so it was more like siblings, like get, you know, being naughty behind daddy's back daddy being m in that context and then i love pierce brosnan we didn't really talk about samantha bond as money penny in in the pierce brosnan episodes but bond. yeah samantha bond, samantha bond. <laughs> yeah and i really i thought they Clever. nailed it but in this you know it's really cool obviously that she's a field agent but then keep her a field agent don't then put her back behind the desk I felt this just reinforced this idea that in this world, in this movie, women just fuck up because you've got an mm. M who fucks up again and again and again and a money penny who fucks up again and again and again. And Q, who is played by a, a gay man, and I think we're supposed to take him as gay, is also fucks up. The only person mm. who doesn't fuck up at all is Bond. Yeah. Um, How do you mean so by it, Bond doesn't fuck up at all? Bond is a living, walking fuck up. Like, oh, no, I know, I know. In, no, no, in, in being, that way, but in terms of like saving the day, everybody else fucks up and he yeah doesn't. but like most of the things that people have to save the day from are shit that bond should have fixed from like the very inception like yeah or bond, m his superior or yeah because like bond bond does things badly then has to fix the thing that he did badly like i'm mm. sorry let's not well bond usually has one solution to things which is exactly just, you should just shoot it or fuck it <laughs> that's it yeah, yeah like a dog <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and also you've got the if thinking about women in this film is I'm not surprised she sort of drifts to the edges of it mm. is the brief thing with um, what's her name Severine yeah I thought she was a really cool character mm. oh god this is this is what I mean because obviously you know lots of people call the Bond franchise sexist and actually historically I'm not sure it is but then you get to this film and you have a former sex trade girl who's in this horrible relationship with this lunatic man and then Bond sneaks into her shower uninvited yeah. and has sex with her. It's that 
That is, but sexy. I think know? the film. I think Horrific. the film does her a greater disservice, mm. which is not even to acknowledge it after she's gone. Even what's her name, Terry Hatcher in Tomorrow Never Dies, gets more than than this woman. Yeah, and Terry Hatcher's just some debutante or whatever she is who marries a, an arsehole. And it's such a shame because that first scene with her and Bond in the casino, I think, mm. is is beautiful. It's beautifully written. It calls back to his relationship with Vesper because he's talking about knowing what women who were scared who who are pretending not to be. I thought she could have been really fascinating, but I don't. I also I'm I'm trying to look at it with a scriptwriter head on, and I'm trying to work out where she could go in that script <laughs> but, yeah, oh, but i it, think i think the way she was used was almost like a just like a plot and device really yeah, because she was yeah, in it yeah. for like maybe 10 minutes yeah. and then she got killed off by the queer bad guy and then we're yeah. just supposed to like carry on from there but it's, it's yeah like, uh, a lot of people by it. i'm sorry yeah I, I get it yeah I, I i feel the same i i know a lot of people get um take issue with the whiskey line a waste of good whiskey that's not the biggest issue for me to be honest like really i, I, I don't to be really? honest for for Bond, that's he does that, doesn't he? It's a fronting thing. I mean, we can talk about that line more, but I, I think I think the whole the whole the thing as a whole is a problem rather than that line. Well, I I think what's sad here is is because I you get enough of his. I think like Fab talked about at the beginning, you do get moments of his vulnerability. So the, the scene that stood out for me was when he's doing the lifting and and then the guy the people leave and mm, then he falls then he on the floor. Yeah. And I guess the whole idea of him going back to his childhood home and maybe what that. Is, is, is opening up for him but I don't think it ever opens sufficiently yes he makes a horrific remark but I think you do know enough that he's you know he's affected by it the problem is the film then never takes that anywhere and I don't think there's enough of I probably there isn't enough of a confirmation of, of how he of, of how devastated and maybe he feels beneath that there was something in the way he said it there was a little wobble in the voice mm. but I, I think it was actually in, in the cutting of it, I think they didn't linger on that long enough or no, something. No. It moved on from that moment too quickly. It was sort of there. Um, come back to Money Penny, though. Um, one thing I do want to say is because before I watched it again, I would have agreed with you completely about the idea of her being pushed into the desk job. Um, I do think actually she does have a few moments, not many, and I do think the awful bit of the Emery is like, well, it's not for everyone. You think, fuck you, Bond. Mm. <laughs> you know, this man who failed every test and just got ushered through by, by his by his you know surrogate mother. Anyway, so I um, she does have moments with. And again, I don't want to get into the idea about he validates her, but clearly he thinks enough of her competence to kick the gun at her during the scene in the, with M's trial, you know. And I love how we're calling it M's trial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, no, where she's reciting poetry. <laughs> oh God, shut up! Um, <laughs> but yeah, there are yeah there are definitely moments for her. I just think I feel it's weird. It feels like a step backwards. I know I know on paper it isn't. She's got more of a beefy macho role, but in a way she's got less of a. It feels less equal than it did in in the Pierce Brosnan era for some reason. Yeah. No, for the first time, Money Penny kind of te- takes a step into James Bond's world and then gets ushered out of it straight away within, like, the first 20 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, it, And I'm glad that they are going to have a double O agent mm. who is a woman who looks as up for the type of work that James Bond is doing than as James Bond is. But, yeah, they didn't... 
they didn't really give an, uh, her an alternate strength that mm. made her, in a different manner, James Bond's equal. I think she that's kind the of, alternate She strength. took part and then had to retreat. And I, I, I was think... quite disappointed with that. But then mm. shifting from that, because like I did say, I had notes on Money Penny, and I am mm. about to mm. be that guy. Um, oh, yeah. There was something that no- I noticed with Money Penny's character, especially compared to the P- the Pierce Brosnan era, that I made notes on, which is the thing that I've noticed happening in Hollywood. So now we're actually zooming out from the Bond mm-hmm. franchise in itself, and it's what I call the ginger to black replacement. <laughs> Tell us more. It happens most times whenever there's a ginger character. And Hollywood wants to get diversity points. If you want to throw a black person into the plot, replace the ginger. God, that's so fascinating. It's <laughs> a replacement theory. Yeah. Oh, there's so many examples. It has happened so many yeah, times. Yeah, I know. Remember, yeah. remember when there was the controversy about like an Annie? Same thing. Ginger yeah. character yeah. turned black. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, you're so it's, right. always, it's always a ginger character turned black. So when I realized at the end of the sh- of this movie, because I didn't even know that that was Money Penny. And then I said, oh, that's Money Penny. I was just yeah, like, she had oh, to bloody tell us hell, Jesus. Yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, what? You couldn't have created some other character that was mm. someone else to work at MI6. Like, it had to be mm. Money Penny, who used to be Ginger, but now is Black. Wow, congratulations. Very, very um, diverse cast. Like, can someone mention one other Black person who was in that film? I'll wait. No. Nope. No, cannot. Exactly. So it's like Hollywood doing the same trope of, you know, mm. trying to make things different but just okay what what do you want to say sorry there was like uh, um, a police officer who was black (laughs) and it's so bad it was the same guy but they showed him getting shot twice I was like oh no did they just do another take you didn't even bother to get a second black guy you just had a glitch in the matrix moment oh no and and, and, and that was just like, like honestly I was just watching the entire film and being like I know I'm going to say this on the podcast and I'm going to be that guy who quote unquote brings race into everything. But we are looking at the modern iteration of James Bond in freaking mm. London and you have like two oh, God, black yeah. people in the entire yeah. film. One yes, of which is just yeah, to replace a ginger because yeah. that's just like a yeah. general Hollywood trope. I mean, we all know that gingers are the um, lesser whites or something. So whenever you need to get rid of a white character, you <laughs> know, to make space, for, <laughs> make space for a black character, get rid of the ginger. It, it's very easy for you to come up with a new bad guy every five minutes, but you cannot come up with a new like accessory mm. protagonist you can't just create another person to be in that space i mean like if you had called her something else instead of money penny yeah. we would have been fine we well, genuinely yeah. would have been fine i always thought the most interesting thing they could do with the money penny character short of inventing a new character would be to uh make money penny a bloke like there is a character fulfilling that role in casino royale if you remember the yeah what, i think his name's villiers Oh, yeah, Villiers. Yeah, 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 so if, you know, either just keep going with Villiers and maybe have Bond do the flirting thing with him or, or call him money penny. Yeah, yeah which, which would then address that whole issue about whether Bond is really bisexual or not. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, could... Or have, he's just bi-presenting in that scene. You could have fun with it, yeah. I do not smell any hint of queerness on Bond whatsoever, so I'm just going to, like, debunk that theory right now. Bond Please, is, no, Bond, he is. Bond, so, Bond, I, Bond is a straight male fantasy. No, That's he's it. not. There is, there is nothing not. bisexual about no, this. No, he is. No, there's nothing I don't think he's bang in the middle, but he's definitely not bang in the middle. No, by his previous he's, encounters, he's on the he's all on his the, encounters. He's on the Kinsey Look, scale for sure. Like he's like if, if if Bond is on the Kinsey scale, he's like ninety nine point nine three straight, and then like <laughs> and then like. <laughs> I'd say 70. Look, look, uh, look, please, please. I know I'm I afraid pl- that the, the evidence is against you. No, I, no <laughs> I know I was plugging it, but please read License to Queer. It's 
it is amazing. Oh, now we're going to put a link. No, I know, but you have school, to. No, no, look, I'm just saying. Yeah, exactly. exactly. No, well, weirder fab, things have happened. Oh you look at David God. Cameron, you know. Oh, also, it's less what's... weird than most things that happen in those places. But anyway, the fact Speak. that the family producer was the one who pushed the idea hmm. makes me think that it's got a bit more authority behind Thank it, and you, who knows where it could go in the future. Yeah, exactly. It lays, that, it, you know, it if the family seeds, who are it? producing it are open-minded, who yeah. knows where they'll take it with the next Bond. I th- but I yeah. think they're doing it, the fact that they're doing it, the producers are doing this thing, yes, it's they're not pushing it very far, but they are... They're doing something with him, and like you said, Fab, I, I'm just really curious to see what the next Bond is. I, I think if they, if this is a genuine attempt to lay the groundwork for that after 50 or, or, or you know, years of, of, you know, seeing from Bond's behaviour about his sexuality, as far as as far as any of us know, then fair enough. But it seems to me to be a little bit like the diversity thing again. It's breadcrumbs on the table. And yes. my, my issue here is that I don't think we should be applauding something that just makes a gesture I'm and not. just goes, you know, I'm, I'm not, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying you are. I'm just, I just think that because even reading this sort of article about, about this this week with Barbara Broccoli and, and so on, about how firmly she pushed for it, I'm thinking, OK, yeah, no, fantastic, great. <laughs> you weren't doing that before in the 90s, unsurprisingly, but I'm not going to deny that there's aspects of Bond where we, we talked about this last time, mm. about to what extent the pushing of a performance, mm. that Bond as a performance is automatically falls into that kind of uh, somewhat you know more aware space that is this as a masculine kind of archetype is it something really to adhere to or, or is it seeing the falsity of it um or, or the the construction of it i should say but what i don't think i'm i, I can't concede anyway it, uh, uh, for myself is that it, there's very little that seems to be displayed in terms of his behavior or his levels of attraction or whatever that indicate that he is, um, uh, that he he lives a life that really does um, but, in, uh, try to uh, seek sexual encounters with men as well as women. I know, but I have to. Sorry, I have to interrupt because I think we're in danger now of judging someone's sexuality merely by the people we see them have sex with. Straight passing is a thing, and I yeah no no and, could, I, and see, I, I I'm not applauding this single moment as being like absolutely bonds bisexual, but I love the fact that it's just opened a little crack. Yeah, no, <laughs> no as, as I said, if if that's something they decide to develop, it would be yeah. great. And I think even the idea of pandering, pre- and I hope that's not Thank the case. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, that's the fear. It could be, but I was, I, just, I, I was just about to say because I'm sorry, I'm sorry to you men, I'm sorry to all of you, but it's pandering to me. It is pandering. Either you are in it or you're not. Do not give me breadcrumbs and tell me, oh, yes, that must have been like a layer cake. No, bitch. You dropped crumbs on the table. There was no cake there. As far as I'm concerned, there has never been a single instance where people even tried. I mean, we're not saying Bond even has to make out with a man. We don't Mm. even, like, he doesn't even have to do anything. But there has never been a moment where we're just like, oh, that is even something that is on the radar. Never happened. So I'm not going to give him props for making a teasing comment back to a bad guy one time. I'm no, sorry. I'm, yeah, You've no, made teasing I'm comments not. to everybody since this bloody film like started, so no. Especially no, to a villain who is so overtly gay. Exactly. You know, It's not like he said it casually to someone, you know. We're talking about nostalgia here. Maybe, maybe 
this seemed amazing to me back then because I'd never even considered that Bond could be rewritten in this way. Not, I'm not saying they did it, but it raised a possibility, like I'm saying. I'm not giving the series props for that that small throwaway line. Definitely need more. Well, so back to Bond. Should we move on to, uh, to yeah, Spectra? Spectre. No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we spent all those okay. hours watching it, so we're going to have to fucking talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Q was from anime, and the opening, you know, this the music video at the beginning was so hentai yes there was literally too like, many tentacles like, look at that like I literally wrote <laughs> tentacle porn literally opening. tentacle porn opening like but we did not the only this. good bit about the film we didn't <laughs> should we should we go through the uh, what people remember on this one yeah sure and not that not that long ago we watched um, it the first it feels time. like ages ago yeah who wants to start so I didn't like it then and that's it. I mean, I don't know what to say. I thought it was just a crushing disappointment after, you know, Skyfall, there was something to build on and it felt like they learnt all the wrong lessons. Um, my then and now reactions are very similar. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a crock of shit. Beautifully mm. put. <laughs> and such a waste of the whole Spectre thing. Are you in, going in on? A, well, yeah, in a world in which, like, you know, the, the Bilderberg group, the whole, like, the, the, all our Illuminati, like, dark fantasy conspiracy theories are there they could have turned spectre into that but they made them google they literally made them <laughs> like yep. like a startup company in a fucking desert it makes me angry even now even re-watching it this morning i was angry again <laughs> i just wish it hadn't happened i just wish this film hadn't been made if i could delete this film from everyone's memory using that torture like yeah. needle does it haunt you this film it haunts me like haunt a spectre you? and it upsets me because when I go back and I watch the older Bond films which I love you know spectre's in that yeah it, it's there and it's tainted and it's dirty now <laughs> Is it, am I going next I can't remember yeah sure um, so I remember back in 2015 yeah I, I found it really um, bland but silly and the silliness is the thing I sort of appreciated about it in the sense that mainly Christoph Waltz, who I have to say turns in a fairly uninteresting and, and uninterested, but but also slightly funny performance. I mean, he's, he's not on par with, with Javier Bardem, but he, he definitely made me laugh. I mean, that scene where they walk into the, the shadows and you've got a, a, this meteorite thing in the middle... And I genuinely thought, and he comes out of the shadows, I genuinely thought he was going to go, and James, this is the source of all my power. <laughs> it was the kind of villain. Yeah, yeah but it turned out it was worse. <laughs> you can touch it. You can touch, touch it. You can you taste want. it. Oh. You know, again, more more monologues and analogies, you know, um, and then everything blowing up and the cat. <laughs> this film cost yeah, $300 million dollars to make. <laughs> Three hundred. Well, it cost them a lot to build a base in the desert, didn't it? No, it didn't. It was already oh, existing. Was that CGI? It already oh, existed. Oh, it exists. Yeah. Oh, it's a real. Oh, can you visit? I don't want to. Is it still there after? They <laughs> <laughs> look, look pretty good. Um, so yeah, I. But other than that, for me, it was um, it was it was fairly inconsequential. I don't really remember that much about it at the time. Maybe the scene in Mexico. Uh, where he flies around on a helicopter, that fight, I thought was, you know, was like, it stood out to me. But other than that, 
No, not much else really. Uh, I didn't. I, oh, the, the other thing was the absolutely hilarious attempt, uh, contrivance beyond belief, to bring all this together to suggest that they had that this man had planned it all exactly. out from from day one. The thing that made me laugh, but unintentionally, is is the idea of him running around the bottom of MI six with. with Oh, yeah. <laughs> with tape or rope or like string a, or whatever, like putting up character. putting up all the things and then just waiting behind oh. that that gla- piece of glass for him to to come. He must be waiting there for ages. Is he coming now? He must be near. You know, he would have had to start if, if James hadn't found him. We'd have to start shouting like, you know, I'm done here. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> so no, other than that, no, it was it was just to you know. And the only actually, sorry, the last last little bit. The only clever line in the film no. was where um, Andrew Scott turns to Ray Fiennes and goes, um, you know, now we know what M stands for, moron. And then he says, uh, um, now we know, because obviously he's taken the, yeah. the bullets out of the gun and he goes, and now we know what C stands for. And there was this pause. Yeah, and, yeah. In, and in the screening that I went to see, someone went, cunt, Of course. Cunt. Of course. <laughs> and then he goes, and then he goes, Careless, what? which I liked. <laughs> no. I thought it was funny. I, I that think they should have left out careless. No, is that not? We'll just cut it. Just much cut, better just cut. No, I no, know. but it's the way everyone. But it's the one guy. Everyone that one, filled in. Everyone, that, everyone, in that everyone pause. filled in that gap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that pause was so. That pause was so intentional. It was. It was almost like you know. This is this is the moment where like you guys sing along. <laughs> 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 with us and yeah I yeah I was gonna yeah, say that anyway that... Fab, I... yeah well first off great Christopher Waltz impression uh, thank and you and secondly I've, I've been they finally got someone with even bigger shoulders than Daniel Craig you know as, <laughs> as henchmen go Batista is a monster isn't yeah, he yeah, um, yeah yeah and I know he tried so hard like in all the interviews to say like oh I, I'm really intelligent and sophisticated in this yeah. and he has one line which is shit as he just mm-hmm. gets, you just get yeah. yeeted out of the train, um, you know. Yeah. Anyway, to be honest, sorry. it went from you know James Bond finally crying, you know, on camera, <laughs> and it's it's for a not if sort of for a platonic relationship, and then it's like, oh yeah, do you know that stepbrother you had for like a year or two? Oh. He's evil, and he's been trying to ruin your life, and it just ah, oh. and that whole thing about oh yeah. Um, we'll do this thing so you'll never recognise another woman again. I knew from the get-go there was going to be no fallout, no consequences from all that. Mm. You know, mm. I thought we were through with elaborate torture things mm. and here we are just like casually drilling him in the head and forgetting no. about it 30 seconds later. It was, yeah, but it was, but it was a bluff really... that was never in doubt really for me. Yeah, I mean, no, he never I just got this sense that Blofeld re- really knew what was going on. He, he just sort of, it was all lucky. And then he just came after the fact, like, oh, yeah, I planned this, you know. Yeah, like the writers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern in for them. They're there with their bloody iPad. The author know. of all my and, it, and he wasn't, that's the shame is there were moments, moments with Christoph Waltz. But you wanted him to be a bit more like Jonathan Price. I mean, he was wearing the same sort of gear. But he just wasn't, mm. you know. He he just seemed to be a bit like I'm. I'm getting money for this. I've got some money yeah. coming, and I'll I'll, I'll 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 do a slightly lesser shtick than I did in. I think I did in. It wasn't in Glorious Bastards quality no. acting, was it? No, yeah. exactly. I think the most yeah, villainous I... thing about him was that he wasn't wearing socks. Yeah, yeah. That is. That oh, thing, yeah. That was, that, How dare you know, he? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my, I mean, first of all, unlike the rest. Oh of yeah, you, so I sorry, nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I didn't watch this one when it came out because I just couldn't be asked with Bond anymore. I was tired. I mean, yeah. yes, Daniel Craig is hot, but I can get that on like a Google search. So my like my real issue with this entire film what I said what I said. My real issue with this entire film was just oh, that goodness. when you guys said the whole thing about like how the women were the fuck ups in the previous film, I was just like, no, Bond has always and has always been the fuck up. I mean, there were so many things in this film that were just like it's literally written in bold letters on my sheets. He's never thorough about anything. Like Bond <laughs> does everything half assetly and goes home, and he's always like, well, that's going to be someone else's problem to clean he's up. He's a great later asset. On. And in my head, I'm like, you are just engineering a lot of problems for yourself. I mean, let's start from the very beginning of the film. He was mm. just meant to shoot three people and leave. He could have shot those three people very quickly and left, mm -hmm. but he stood there, listened to a bunch of stuff, waited for them to start smoking as if he did not know that the laser pointer was going to show in the mm. smoke. And then, <laughs> you know, and then like, and then like demolished an entire building filled with people. But, you know, him yeah. being sort of nah, protected by, by being like, exactly, it's Mexico. They are not white. So like, they don't really count. Mm -hmm. And then the whole thing with Bautista's character didn't need to happen. Because there was yeah. this time when, like, they crashed the car. The man was unconscious, put a cap in his head. I know that yeah, I didn't get that at all. You could have done that. But instead, you decided to have this unnecessary argument with somebody in the middle of nowhere. Where was she going to go that that argument couldn't have waited for, like, five extra seconds while you get rid of this henchman? I know that he's definitely not your problem. Everything that was going to my mind was, like, James Bond is actually fucking dumb. And he hasn't had anyone to tell him. Because a lot of the stuff he was doing, I was just like, this is fucking stupid. There are so many I easier quicker, less messy ways of doing the thing that you need to do, but you pick the single most obnoxious option every time, knowing full well that you would never have to pay the price. Normally, I don't mind about all of that stuff. Like, email, I got tired. I'm yeah, sorry. No, you, don't you don't demolish an entire building because mm. you were meant to shoot one man. You were literally mm. there to shoot one man. What the you fuck? one job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was so yeah. mad. <laughs> No, well, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the only, the whole Swan and, and Bond thing, I, I just, this idea that it was this particular woman I, I that know. pushed him over to go, yeah, I actually think, I don't think I'm going to do this yeah. anymore. And that made sense in Casino Royale. Well, this is the franchise that gave us Vesper and that yeah. relationship. And I don't understand how they do not learn the right lessons from each film they make. This also, apart from making no sense at all plot-wise, but it's also an ugly film. The whole thing is like beige. Every frame is like this wash of like beige. It's disgusting. And also it's boring. Like I, I don't mind if the plot stuff is nonsense. I don't mind. I like some of the tropes, some I don't, whatever. But if it's boring and ugly looking, what, what, is, the, what is the point of a Bond movie? I, I, I saw the beigeness as looking through. Shut the, up. The... <laughs> No, I, it, 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 by the time you get toward the the end of this... Why is he his brother? Sorry. Oh, well, there, well, there's that as well. Ah, I, I just thought that that's was... That's from Austin Powers. Bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, like, like we get to the I'm end of the film... Brother, and brother, And it was just like, oh, well, so he got the cool sports car and the girl. Congrats. Like, we've just looped back to where we started. Absolutely. But also, um, speaking of sports cars, that is the most dull car chase I have ever seen in any movie hmm. it literally cuts to <coughs> money penny looking in the fridge and that is more interesting because <laughs> uh -huh. yeah, it's yeah, like oh yeah, money penny's honestly, apartment yeah. like, like, honestly i was like 
thank goodness we have just stepped away from Bond and his nonsense, even for like a fraction of a second, because I felt like my eyes were going to bleed. Yeah. But what's also self-indulgent about it is it, it seems that it, like there's, there's this kind of line in the film, as in like a through line in the film, that tries to maintain, or maybe he's getting really sort of tired of all this, and maybe his psyche is, you know, he's he's really damaged, and and then at the end of the film, the one the one bad guy he doesn't kill is that the major, you know, this is this is a man who can control governments and corporations. He's the like, of all like his said, pain. he's the author of all his pain and everyone else's pain and everyone's pain. You know, he's like you said, he's Google. He's he's this octopus in you know in everything apparently. And this is the man you think, well, well maybe if we yeah. do take him out, Fair you know, mate. maybe we'll do it. No, <laughs> no, this is the moment that Bond decides, I can't keep killing people. I've had because enough. Because my of girlfriend this. wouldn't like it. My yeah. Girl, yeah, I can't watching. do it in front of my girlfriend. Exactly, oh, but the whole, the so whole fucking film, tragic. Yeah. Because, what? I mean, if you think about it, like, when Bond explodes that entire complex, he wasn't just trying to kill the bad guy. He killed the bad guy and every henchman. But they're yeah. zombies, aren't they? They're all just zombies, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, doesn't because, matter. Yeah, like, it's, everyone, it's... I mean, like, when I was, th- literally, my, my first thought about it was, like, from the moment that thing happened, where the entire building demolished in New Mexico, yeah. and all it was was just a sentence at M's debriefing, I was just yeah. like, I am going to be tired of this film. The bad guy wasn't the only person in the house. That was mm. the block. Yeah. People live there. <laughs> yeah. No, I know, I know. But well, the, the, I think this film's worst sin is that it's just pretentious. Like, we talked about Die Another Day, and obviously that's a bad film, but it's fun. You can have fun mm. watching it, maybe. I mean, some of us more than others. But this is just not fun. It's pretentious right from the beginning where they have like that bullshit, like the dead are not dead, whatever. Oh, that yeah. Ridiculous. And then you, everybody, you know, most... Yeah, most people say that that tracking shot is amazing where it doesn't cut and whatever. Not the tracking shot, you know, where it doesn't cut. Yeah, yeah, That yeah, whole the, first sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it does Single nothing. Shot. There is no emotional or narrative purpose because it, it stops before the gunshot. Like, if you were going to use that to do something, to ramp up tension, it would end with the gunshot, the assassination or the explosion, if you're still keeping that, the bit that Emo despises. But it's just a gimmick. It's yeah. just a gimmick, and the film is full of this, like gimmicks, 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 a stupid script. Oh, it makes me really upset. <laughs> it just makes me really upset. <laughs> yep, definitely the super fan of the group. This was just not your best. And it's so, actually, like, in my opinion, the worst. Yeah, possibly, because I was stressed. I was so stressed. Mm. But anyway, boiling this down, because I realise we've been talking for a while and we've probably made a bunch of things that... James would have to um, cut out in that post. Um, so, uh, boiling this down at the end of all, right? Um, it was a no from me, <laughs> just generally. This was a no. This film in particular was a no. Skyfall, I maybe like appreciated it because finally someone was talking about consequences and it was about someone who wasn't Bond for like five minutes. So, Skyfall gets a pass. It was gritty. It went a bit rustic. It was okay. Spectre, I was like, eh. <laughs> you know, and that like, that's it. Like, I really don't have anything else to say. I'm just going to pass this to Fav because <laughs> it wasn't as bad as Quantum of Solace, but I, <gasps> I best I could say it's decent. You know, I think that's as far as I can go with Spectre. Really, one kind of like minor thing. I was kind of thinking about all four about how Dexter was describing James Bond. I was like, well, steamrollers which is what James Bond is, they don't have a reverse gear. And yeah. now I've spent the last 20 minutes wondering, do steamrolls have reverse gears? <laughs> Sounds like a terrible idea, but do they? I need to... 
and my life won't be complete till I find this out. <laughs> it's been buffering the hell out of me. They probably do. Otherwise, that would just be a health and safety violation. <laughs> <laughs> but can you imagine, like, the warning you have to give everybody, you know? But anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, so for me, I think taking into account Skyfall and Spectre, I think rewatching, definitely rewatching Skyfall, I, I sort of see both sides of it in the sense that. Um, it it's it's probably a bit funner. I've, I've always softened to it. Spectre just still strikes me as a very odd mishmash of of just you've got nostalgia there and and then half eaten plot points and and character development and so on. I think that this transition in the tens, especially with Skyfall, to try and you know I don't know what the word is really place him into to try and do this move backwards try and make it more nostalgic try and and throw back to the bond of the yesteryears without you know without doing maybe some of the more problematic stuff it just i don't know it just didn't strike me as particularly interesting or inventful except to the extent that you can go well this is you know you're looking at this as a particular cultural document at a certain time and i think that the 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 sort of I don't know banality I guess at the, at the heart of it's especially Skyfall's jingoism is just this sheer idea of look maybe there is nothing more to to strive for to settle for so what we're going to do is is kind of say well you know it, it's worked in the past old and bold and you know and, and let's just push forward yeah um my sorry, I've got this woman in my ear saying the battery. So uh, my roundup: Skyfall is a uh, good film. It's a good Bond film. Um, it hurts my head when I try and work out why Daniel Craig's Bond has Sean Connery's Aston Martin. <laughs> that really keeps me up at night sometimes. Spectre is just just awful and unfortunately poisons the rest of Daniel Craig's tenure. I'm a bit worried about how so much of No Time to Die seems to be like a direct sequel or uh, oh, continuing on Spectre. from Spectre but maybe they can improve on it maybe they can make Spectre a better film or something oh also Quantum of Solace is loads better than Spectre possibly um, it's just sad that we didn't have time to touch on all of it because well yeah. like I said we have maybe lives. we'll get to so it one day maybe we will get to it one day maybe we'll just have the you know untouched um, episodes you know all the james bonds before this i will not be touching roger moore with a one <laughs> kilometer long pole um but anyway, anyway um yeah we have come to the end of this i guess thank you very much Can for listening join us next time when we yeah. are going to be... can i make one last personal note yes that i hope that if my participation here has been a car crash i hope it's been a merry car crash with a tiny red car and 20 clowns wobbling out of it. Shut up, James. Anyway, going on. I, I just hope that we have... I just hope that we have not just uh, shaken people, but stirred them. Oh, don't. Oh. <laughs> Ten points. You know what? Can I open Ten points for that. Ten points for that. I will give you that one. Thank you very much. Anyway, thank you very much. And good thank, night. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. And... Uh, we will see you for the final one, which is going to be the film review of No Time to Die. And in unison, we shall wish you goodbye in three, two, one. Goodbye! goodbye.